0: This is episode number 209 with Asha Tan and Ryan Zhao of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a
1: thirsty human who is intent
0: on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now, 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 the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What's up, guys? Hope you're having a great day wherever you are around the world, morning, noon, afternoon, evening. We've got a really international audience. My name's Nathan Chan. I'm the CEO of Founder Magazine and also the host of this podcast. If you are new, we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation and founders and really just break down their story and and really break down their experiences that that you can learn from. And so you can really learn like what it takes to build and grow a successful business. And today's guest is Asha Tan and Ryan Zhao. And they're founders of a company called Coinjar. Now, Coinjar is a really, really interesting company um, because what they basically do is they are a cryptocurrency startup. Now, the reason that I wanted to speak to these guys is they are leaders in this space. And this is a massive market. Um, And we get a lot of requests now of people wanting to hear about blockchain and and uh, you know bitcoin and cryptocurrency how's it all work what's the future of this technology so asher and ryan really break that down you're going to get a really good understanding if you are not familiar uh, with blockchain technology and you're going to really understand how they've scaled coinjar and everything that they do and and how they're how they've been able to navigate because let's be honest like you know before Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency took off um over this, you know, past twelve months, uh, you know, they they've had to be able to work out this trend and ride this wave, right? Where things have been were quite quiet. There and now it boomed and now it's feeling to me personally, it's quite quiet again. But That's it from me. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. It helps more than you can imagine. Make sure you share this with your friends. It helps us big time. Uh, We're on a mission to build a household name, entrepreneurial brand that impacts tens of millions of founders on a weekly basis, monthly basis. Like We just want to help as many people as we can. All right, that's it from me, guys. Now let's jump in the show. All right, so the first question that I ask everyone it comes on is, uh, how'd you get your job? How'd you guys get your job doing what you're doing today? Oh,
1: well, um, how far back do you want to start? I mean, the company was founded just about five years ago to this day. And it, it really started as an overnight thing. I was applying for an incubator program. They asked us to, to rejig some of the ideas and I asked Ryan to come on board to um, start a, a bitcoin startup with me and that pretty much took maybe about all of six hours in my living room sort of uh, planning to to start a uh, coin jar at least pitch the idea to get into the, the incubator so
0: um yeah i think that was just
1: sort of the beginning
0: and uh is this your guys first business uh or you or you've uh, created other companies before
1: uh, Ryan's probably had the, the more the notable business work. Ryan, you want to talk a bit about that?
2: Yeah, so I come from a technical background as a self-taught full-stack software engineer. Um, in 2011, I became really interested in Bitcoin, um, so I started writing web apps about uh, Bitcoin. Um, so one of the projects I was involved in was a margin trading platform uh, that well eventually failed in 2012.
1: Yeah, so when I met Ryan, I think he was on his second or third online business. So I, I think uh, that one didn't go so well. But yeah, Ryan's always had you know several side internet businesses uh, all at the same time.
0: Yeah, gotcha. And uh, how'd you guys meet? Uh, just on the internet. I mean, I was following some of Ryan's
1: work. Seemed pretty interesting. I wanted to meet the person behind the work. So I just sent Ryan a message when he moved. Uh, to australia and uh, i guess we just hung out for a while and then started talking about projects and startups and i guess just
0: uh, ended up collaborating in the end yeah gotcha so you guys launched uh coinjar five years ago and what was what was the original vision Uh, yeah i mean it's it's
1: pretty much still the same today uh consumer products which i guess we want to use which are we feel objectively better than what's out there in the market. Um, yeah, and I, I think that that's still a space that's you know hard hard to play in, um, but I guess quite fulfilling when you can see uh, other consumers actually using uh, your products.
0: Mm. So, can you guys um just give it for our audience that are not familiar with CoinJar uh exactly um you know about the, your consumer products and um. Yeah, you know, why why someone would use CoinJar?
2: Yeah, so CoinJar is a leading uh, digital currencies platform in Australia. So uh, if you sign up to CoinJar, you will have a wallet for Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin and Ripple. And we also offer very easy to use trading services, uh, both on uh, the website and also mobile. Yeah, so CoinJar is usually how um, most Australians get their first uh, digital currencies.
0: Mm, yeah, amazing. And um, like... It, it's safe to say like, you know, cryptocurrency is going to be here to stay, I believe, but there's many other thoughts and opinions and and like a lot of our audience, um, they might not know, like a lot of, a lot of will and a lot won't really understand Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency. So um, first of all, I'd love to just hear your guys' thoughts on like, why did you think this would be a thing? Like why, why, why CoinJob, why cryptocurrency, why Bitcoin? I guess we've come from
1: different adoption times. Ryan, sort of a a super early adopter. Um, I came, you know, still relatively early, but maybe a bit after. Um, For me, at least, always struck by uh, communities around some of these new emerging technologies. Um, They're all very protective, all very enthusiastic. And I think, especially in the last 18 months, those new to the community as, as well, have found some sort of, you know, enthusiasm uh, uh, about this field. You know, you talk about it, you tell all your friends about it. Um, Every single conversation sort of ends up speaking about this newfangled type of money. And I I guess that's, um, you know, the technology has always been an interesting one, but I I guess on a social level as well, it's something that piques everyone's interest. And, you know, uh, I, I found that pretty fascinating.
0: But how did you guys know? Like, how did you guys know that that like Bitcoin was going to be a thing and, and that, that, we were, that that it was going to get to, to where it is now, like five years later? How did you know?
2: Uh, yeah, so for me, like there, there are personal reasons that I'm so passionate about uh, digital currencies and fintech in general. So I'm always passionate about solving problems with technology. And there are, well, there were and there still are a lot of problems with our current financial systems and financial services. Um, I also have huge interest in finance on the side. So combining these two, I think fintech is the perfect industry for myself. And digital currencies really had a lot of potential back then, uh, five years ago, when, when not many people have heard about them. But after like researching about the technology behind digital currencies, like the blockchain and uh, some of the other distributed ledger technologies, I became really interested in this and wanted to do something that will help help us. Change uh, how financial systems will function in the future.
0: So, for those of our audience that are not familiar with the blockchain um, and and what it is, and also like what cryptocurrencies are, and in particular Bitcoin, in the most layman terms, could you just explain that for, for everyone that don't that don't understand?
2: Okay, so I'll, I'll try. Um, so Bitcoin is a form of money that only exists on the internet. So, some people may call it currency and some may actually use it more like a commodity because its value can fluctuate and it's still quite volatile, um, even after many years of uh, liquidity improvement. Um, so, blockchain is the technology behind many digital currencies, including the most popular one, Bitcoin. So, what blockchain does is essentially to have a global consensus using uh, distributed algorithms. In the case of Bitcoin, The algorithm is proof of work. So what that allows is to have everyone participating in the network to agree on the same version of the ledger. And once you have a shared ledger that can be trusted by everyone, you can enable financial transactions that are permissionless and transparent.
1: (laughs) Sorry, Nathan, there's no no 30 (laughs) seconds.
0: If uh, if you ask for the the explanation you're going to get it <laughs> no, that's cool because like a lot of people want to know about this stuff and that's why i'm really you know that's why i was really excited to to hear from you guys but then also i want to understand like how, how you guys growing and, and how you guys maintaining that growth and just talking business right as well but um so bitcoin it was created by someone that they they uh is, is referred to as satoshi uh, nakamoto who do you guys think Satoshi is? They're the usual suspects. I mean, I it's
1: not one of my most favorite things to talk about. I guess it's an important <laughs>
0: part of the founding myth. i oh, I just um, gotta ask you guys, because you guys are deep okay. within this stuff. Not like, you know, yeah. I, I'm just really curious, like, you know, who who like what's your theory? Who who created Bitcoin? Yeah, I mean, th- there are some prominent cryptographers um, you know, who were on mailing lists at the time. So I think that the usual names are usually bandied about. So you think it's a group of people, though, not just one person?
1: Yeah, I mean, a, a group or one of them. But I mean, th- there were some influential people um, in the early days of Bitcoin, like Hal Finney, uh, who all, at, at least in one form or another, contributed ideas. And, you know, some of those ideas could have been influential in itself, um, if not one of them being part of or is Satoshi, I guess.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And and what are your thoughts, Ryan?
2: Unfortunately, I I wasn't. Uh, so so when I uh, when I became involved in the Bitcoin community, Satoshi has already disappeared. So um, obviously, I, I I never had any contact like any direct or indirect contact with Satoshi himself. But largely, like I think the community is super focused on his work, including the code he contributed to the first version of Bitcoin, some of the parts that we are still running today. So. Yeah, I think I'm probably more interested in in the work that he's done. Mm.
0: That's fair enough, and and uh, some people would be also wondering, like, what's the difference between the different coins? Like, why why would you invest in Bitcoin? Like, obviously, that's the first versus a Ripple or an Ether or you know you know Power Ledge, like, yeah
2: well software is usually invented to solve certain problems um same thing applies to many digital currencies today so when bitcoin was created it it did uh, it it had the vision of creating this um this censorship resistant uh global network of payments but then slowly people started to realize that there were issues with this solution um maybe the uh, scalability is not there Maybe it's too expensive to create transactions. Maybe the transaction system is not flexible enough to allow, I guess, non-standard formal transaction like what we call smart contracts today. So there are different solutions aimed at solving uh, pretty much the same problems with yeah with, with different different technologies. So there are reasons that other digital currencies may, um, may be more beneficial in one use case over others so yeah that's how people get to use different digital currencies for for the use case they want but at the same time it is a pretty speculative market as well so we um also believe that most of the uh market activity today between different currencies are driven by speculation
0: yeah and and do you think a lot of these um you know let's say the top 20 coins right now um like, do you think a lot of these will last? Like, cause, cause I think like, you know, besides Bitcoin, all of these other alt coins, they, they seem to be, you know, wanting to be the next coin. Like, I'm curious, what, what coin do you guys think will be the next coin?
2: Uh, we probably can't really provide like more, more insights about um, which coin will likely be, um, be the, like, I guess the coins remaining, but I, I do believe that some digital currencies are way more sustainable than others, Mm. simply based on the organizational structure and also based on the community uh, themselves.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair
2: enough. I understand. That that will definitely outlast the others simply because they have a more sustainable model. Mm.
0: And and like obviously right now, um, you know, Bitcoin took, like we're speaking now in uh, April, 2018, um, you know, in December, like leading up from, I'd say, October to December, there was a massive, massive boom, and then now it's really jumped down. Why, why do you think that guy like, that is? Like, I, I do so much research online, but there's no – no one really knows, like, the real conclusion. Do you guys care to comment on that? <laughs>
1: well, I guess if no one knows the real conclusion, then we can't give you a conclusion either. Um, to, I, I think it just underlies the any price rise or, or price easing. Um, and and then it's, it's people and interests. And, you know, um, as much as you think you can control markets or predict markets, uh, people try to do that, you know, every day in every sort of market. And it's hard to, to sort of quantify. But I, I do think part of the price rise you've seen is just, I, I guess, you know, people being interested in letting other people know and that that's just one aspect of things which you can't really uh create or can't can't can fake to a certain extent and that's just you know it's captured public imagination and public
0: interest mm, yeah no that's fair enough uh, well, i understand uh so I'm curious more around uh, – we can talk about your startup now. Um, I'm, I'm curious around uh, Coinjar, market traction. Um, like you guys, as you said, you guys are the leading um, – like one of the market leaders, especially in Australia. I'm really curious, like what is your biggest challenge right now? Because there are a lot of other um, you know, services out there uh, for wallets and also to to buy and sell coins. Um, so what are your biggest challenges? Like how, how are you guys – um, you know wanting to get that cut through
1: yeah so i i think the, the approach we've taken has been the same over the last five years. Um, you know, build good consumer product, uh put it out there, learn from that those product decisions, and you know keep on iterating and and building more product i mean w- while it might seem you know fairly lucrative to be an exchange or or work in, in this space now, um, people still don't completely understand the space. Uh, the challenges right now are the same ones, you know, five years ago in terms of consumer adoption, scalability, and use cases. And, you know, um, I I think the people who tend to laugh uh, are those who actually look for those questions actively and build, build products to try and solve those problems. So, yeah, I think for us, uh, ways and traction forward is, you know, uh, keep building what people like to use, uh, keep building useful tools. And um, I guess we'll see some of the the emergence of uh, what this crypto economy looks like in the next five years as well.
0: Yeah. And um, when it comes to obviously you, you said, you know, being a great product and then using that product to test and and, and, and then measure and, and gauge market traction and then iterate and adjust accordingly. Um when it comes to uh, customer acquisition, uh, do do you guys like what What's your best channel besides having a great product and word of mouth? Because I, I heard of you guys a long time ago, right? Like I, I you, you guys were the first exchange that I would ever heard of when it comes to, to, to getting Bitcoin cryptocurrency. So yeah, I'm just really curious, like what besides the, the the obvious channels? Like, are there any any that you guys are focusing on in particular besides word of mouth and great product?
1: Uh, no, I mean, not really. Paid uh, acquisition makes up a, a very small amount of uh, users which come onto the website. So, uh, I I do think to a certain extent, whatever growth hack you use, you know, that can escape the the gravity of your product. And uh, I guess that's what we've tried to focus on most of the time in terms of you know building a great great product that you know attracts people in itself. Um, Ryan, do you have anything else to, to add to that?
2: Yeah, so like this is a very new industry, and most of our customers and our potential customers are not very familiar with our digital currencies themselves. That's why they came to a service like CoinJar to to get started. So we we do believe in building trust, um, and that's something that paid acquisition usually can't replace. And and it's some some um th- this is one of the industries that word of mouth will definitely win over other acquisition channels simply because it's. Way easier for us to build trust uh, among our customers.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, tell me about your team. So, like you guys said, you got you 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 got into an incubator. Have you gone on to raise uh, raise any money? Um, I'd love to to know. Like uh, you guys, yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, back then in 2013, we went through Angel Cube, uh, which is now Slingshot. Um, went to a three-month program that subsequently raised uh, money from BlackBird Ventures out of Sydney. So we were in the original fund one, um, which feels like a, a long time ago, but I guess it's a similar span, just about five years. So BlackBird's continued to you know, be one of the preeminent VCs in Australia. Uh, we went on to uh, raise a small amount of money from both coasts in the U.S., um, but, you know, been largely profitable for the last three years. So, um, you know, we're learning how to be self-sufficient, but still, you know, still trying to, to crack some of the product puzzles. Uh, and uh, I guess the, the questions that people want answered in the crypto space.
0: Mm. So I'm curious, Um, why why the uh, decision to try and stay self-sustainable without um. More with, without any more capital to, to fuel growth?
1: I mean, I, I won't rule out raising uh, funds, be it VC or different types of funding in the future, but I, I think, you know, there are a lot, lots of companies that have done ICOs, uh, lots of companies are very well funded, um, and we've seen that in the last five years, uh, you know, a large round of funding doesn't guarantee your survival in, in this industry. It's still so unknown, things change very quickly. No one can predict uh you know asset prices scaling issues um so yeah as much as you would like to raise the scale, I think many people will figure out um as they have with you know this rough of uh new i c o raises that you know money doesn't really solve all your product problems in in a emerging industry
0: mm. and and for you guys like um like, I know this is a big thing in the States where basically you want to grow as fast as possible to be, you know, the number one. Um, and you know, most of that money is spent on acquisition, customer acquisition or a big proportion and also building the team. Um, like, are you guys really keen on that. It sounds like you guys are quite, quite, um, hap- like you, you're, 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 you're keen to just, uh, also just, just grow sustainably and 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 be profitable, um, and and not really. Uh, like, of course, you're growing, but you're not uh, as as eager or hungry. Perhaps in the states, you know, they 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 just raise so much money, like tens of millions of dollars, and and, and then they get up to like a Series E or a Series D. Like, that's not something that uh, you guys want to do.
2: Yeah, I think back back then. Uh well, not sure about now, but five years ago, I don't think Australian startups had the luxury of growing without thinking about business model or profitability at the time because there weren't uh, infinite amount of capital in the Australian VC market. And it, it can be very difficult to grow while waiting for your next check from VCs um, because capital like that wasn't really guaranteed at all. So for us, we, we, we picked up Slightly more sustainable model of building users and profit um, and profit models before we actually move to raise our our first seed round, and that proved to be something that allowed us to survive because, like, until probably one year or half a year ago, the digital currency market wasn't really taking off, and we also had to endure about two to three years of very quiet periods when prices mm-hmm. of Stable and falling, and trading volume wasn't huge, but we managed to keep the team really lean and stayed um, profitable or close to prof- profitable during that time. And that's also when, like VC money, wasn't really readily readily available in the market as well.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so uh, I'm curious, like, uh, how come you guys didn't move to San Fran? Um, yeah, I think fintechs an interesting one. So. In terms of, uh,
1: you know, certain consumer startups, I, I do think, you know, uh, you go where the population is and America still has a, a large chunk of people to an addressable market. But um, I think especially in fintech, you see less of this uh, channel between America and Australia um just because of uh, very different uh, financial regulation. Um so you'll you'll see more, you know, between channels of Europe or, or UK and Australia, um as, you know, the the is a bit more harmonized compared to that of the US.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh with your team, um, are you guys distributed or um all based in Melbourne and uh yeah, like like Talent is hard too. Like, like, What are you guys doing around that?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, late last year, really made a concerted effort to try and have a more distributed team. Uh, majority of the team is back in Melbourne, but you know, I've recently relocated uh, to London uh, you know, to explore more opportunities on the European continent, um, you know, look for hires in, in new time zones as well. It's a new, new uh, challenge for us, but um, I, I think many... Uh, companies, even in the States, are, are looking at more distributed models to try and hire better and, and not just trying to
0: to move everyone in the same spot for um yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky one. Um because for us we're we're a combination of the same of you guys like we've got an office in Melbourne, um, but we're mainly distributed as well. Um well we're trying trying to stay mainly distributed because because it's so difficult to find great talent. I'm curious around as well, like how are you managing, um, like what tools, uh, any 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 like you know, because because it sounds like you guys are hybrid then, not fully distributed, but not all fully in one offer, similar to us.
1: Yeah, I mean we we swap out tools quite a bit. Uh, to be honest, um, you know, not not afraid to to try new things. You know, like in terms of uh, communication tools, I think for for different size team, you know, you have to to always consider. Um Just because we've been using this uh for the last couple of years and it's served as well, uh do we still need to use this tool? Is this getting the the best out of um our size and our needs at the moment so um yeah I think we're you know kind of continually reassessing our tool set um trying to figure out you know what, what actually do we use these tools for
0: mm, but isn't it hard like if you, if you change tool, like let's say for us, for example, like for us, we live off Trello, like every project's in Trello, everything's going on in Trello for us. Um, that's one of our like core, core tools in our stack. Like, you could say internally, um, you know, Slack is another one. Like let's say, let's say we wanted to move from Slack to HipChat. Um, is it diff Like I, I've personally found this where it's difficult to get people to move to something else. Like how do you manage that? Do you just turn it off or what? Like, uh yeah Ryan's uh chief tool changer. So. <laughs> Is that why you're laughing because you know the feeling? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh yeah like what what do you guys like if you're moving from tool like cool like a core tool like let's say you move from a base camp to you know some other project management tool like like how how do you how do you get your team fully on board to to move across and like that would be painful.
1: Yeah, uh, I think uh, ways we've tried before uh you know not a you know, always admit that it might or might not work out. So I think a bit in humility in choosing this new best tool. um so like in, in, uh, from a platform migration we we did recently uh, we we turned it on, uh, let people test the new tool. Um, you know if the tool is any good, it should get people to using it uh, without uh, too much effort. And so I guess that's another gauge uh, of, of success internally of a tool. Um, if people do gravitate around it, I, I think that's a good sign. And then, you know, uh, just slowly grandfather the other tools. Um, but yeah, I guess also in, in, you know, picking tools, just being a bit clear why, why we're using this to, to everyone. So at least everyone's on the same page uh, in terms of, you know, we were 10 now, now we're 20, this chat app doesn't work anymore let's try a few and, you know, um, this is my best pick. So uh, let's just use this and figure out what happened. So I think that, that approach has worked well for us uh, in the past.
0: Yeah, no. All right. Awesome. Well, look, we have to work towards wrapping up guys. Um, Just a couple last questions. Uh, One just around uh, like, what's plans for the future? How do you, how do you plan to besides doing what you're doing currently stay on the cutting edge uh, because with this fintech space it moves so fast like you know like i'm sure you guys would have seen in your like so many new exchanges pop up in the past couple of years especially the past year and probably it's not going to slow down like like how do you guys try to stay on the cutting edge do you have mentors do you have an advisory board i i um you know i'd, I'd love to hear and uh and then lastly where's the best place People can find out more about yourself and uh, also uh, CoinJar.
2: Uh, we we are launching a new product called CoinJar Exchange next month. Um, so CoinJar Exchange is an advanced trading platform for professional traders and investors. This will be our biggest product launch ever after CoinJar itself. So this will be a platform that um that's targeted to um to investors and traders that like more professional tools, like they want to monitor the market in real time, they want to have flexibility in how they use trading platforms. We hope that Coinjar Exchange will uh, will help us um, attract and retain high value customers in addition to the core consumer tools that we already have. Yeah, so I mean like
1: uh, it has a very different fee model than what we're used to. So I think a lot of uh, our customers will benefit uh, who trade from a different fee structure. Um, that will save them a lot of uh, money in, in terms of trading fees. So, uh, you know, not not afraid to rip up the book. Um, you know, um, we're always moving forward with our products. So I guess that's what you'll, you'll see from us um, going forward as well. Um, and to find more about us, I just uh, can go to just www.coinjar.com.
0: Awesome. And uh, uh, we have quite an international audience. So you guys are uh, available also not just for Australians? Uh, we have uh, digital wallet services available all around the world.
1: Uh, the exchange right now is only available to Australians, uh, but uh, more options coming soon.
0: Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business